Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The book of Psalms, chapter 91, verse number 13, the Bible says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because, everybody say because. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. Are you feeling better already? I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. With the help of the Lord this morning, we're going to close our Bible series on the book of Psalm chapter 91. A journey that perhaps some of you thought would never end. Uh, but we're going to end it today. Let's just uh, lift our voices to the Lord and ask Him to help us today. I want to hear from the Word of God this morning. Lord Jesus, we love You. God, we stand before You today in need of Your anointing, in need of Your direction. Give me the right words to say. Help us, God, to build this people in the kingdom of God. And, Strengthen and encourage someone this morning. Lord, for the journey sometimes is wearisome. The journey sometimes causes weakness. But God, give us an understanding of your word this morning and your strength and your delivering power. Lord, we'll not fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody shout amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. As we've journeyed through the book of Psalms, chapter 91, we've discovered that this book is a book about God's safety, His refuge, and His protection. Life, as I'm sure you can relate this morning, is full of times of stress and danger. Particularly, times it feels as though it's biased toward those who are faithful to him. Have you ever felt that way? You ever felt like uh, certain parts of life were better when you wasn't serving God? I mean, if we were to be honest this morning, certain parts, not my salvation, not my sin relief, not my redemption, uh, not the joy that I have in God, but there's certain troubles and certain trials that it feels like, Bishop, it may not be true, but it feels like, if we, if we talk about emotion this morning, it feels like I didn't have that when I wasn't serving God. Can anybody relate to that this morning? Certain, certain things, certain, there were perhaps even certain temptations that you, you didn't deal with. Well, there's a reason you didn't deal with them. It wasn't a temptation, it was free. You're tempted to do something that which you know you shouldn't do. 
When you know, when you don't know you shouldn't do it, it's really not a temptation. You're just doing it. So when you're not fighting the flesh, it's easy. The thing that makes serving God feel difficult is trying to convince ourselves that there's certain things that I don't need to enjoy. The Bible even declares that there's joy in sin for a season. I can't tell you this morning how long that season is. That season may be a different time period for you than it is for others. Uh, that season, we would be in error this morning to assume it just means winter, spring, summer, and fall. Uh, that season is a period of time in which there is joy. There's certain feelings and emotions that our flesh likes to have. But just because the flesh likes to have them doesn't mean it should. So when we start fighting flesh, I mean, how many this morning just really enjoy telling yourself no? No takers? No volunteers? How many like sitting down at your absolute, undeniable favorite dessert? I know everybody's got one. And you love sitting there with it in front of you. And for, for me, I've probably got several to be honest with you. But if I really had to highlight one, for me it would be yellow cake with chocolate icing. And a tall glass of milk. Cold milk. That, that's, that's heaven for me. Okay? I can tell you this morning that whenever I set me a plate, I'm not going to tell you how many pieces is on it, but when I set me a plate of yellow cake with chocolate icing in front of, it, in front of me, and, and, and Brother Mike, I've got a cold, tall glass of milk to wash it down with, I'm not going to sit there and stare at it and say no. Not happening. It's not going to last long. If it's sitting in front, matter of fact, I had some last night, and it was good. It, it's not an every weekend journey for me, all right? I, I don't, we don't have it in the house, so I don't eat it. But special treat, it was there. Brother Freddie, it didn't last long. I ate it. I drank it. Wiped the corners of my mouth, and I was happy. Because I'd never said no. Are you following me this morning? It was easy. Resistance was futile. I, I didn't even think about putting it on my plate and saying no. I put it on the plate with the intentions of eating every crumb. You know, I'm taking the fork when, when the icing, when the cake, you know, because it always gets topsy-turvy for some reason, and, and it falls over and you get icing on I'm scooping, scraping the plate clean. It's a paper plate, but whenever it's clean, it almost looks washed whenever I'm done. I'm scraping every morsel left because I enjoy it. Now, there's a lot to be said for enjoyment and our ability to say yes or no. And the only reason why serving God sometimes feels harder than it does not serving God is because you are, it becomes necessary for you, by the Word of God, to maintain your salvation in telling yourself no to some things. Amen. 
the, book, the, 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 the writer David tells us in the book of Psalms, he said, set no evil before thine eyes. Well, perhaps it would be uh, right for us to interpret that this morning, that you're not going to go find evil necessarily, that you would perceive as evil and just put it right in front of you. Because everybody in their right mind tries to stay away from evil. But what that is implying this morning is don't put something in front of you that's going to put your salvation at risk. If it's going to cause you to detour away from God, set it then becomes evil. So as such, set no evil before thine eyes. Don't put some, if, if you are a former alcoholic, don't go to the bar and watch the bartender and, and, and ooze and drool over that which you're not supposed to have and, and test yourself to say no. Not happening. If, if there's certain things that you struggle with, don't put it in front of you. The, uh, David is writing the book of Psalms. He is telling us in several places, particularly in, in chapter 91, that God is a God of refuge. God is a God of protection to His people in times of stress, in times of danger, and in times of need. To be faithful to God means, however, serving Him and worshiping Him when things are going good. Equally, it means serving Him and worshiping Him when things are not going good. Serving God and being faithful to God is understanding that life is, more, is about more than simply existing, but remaining faithful to the calling God has placed on our lives. It is necessary for you to really be faithful to God. It is necessary for you to operate in the calling God has given you. God has given each of us a calling, not just preachers. And if you are not operating in the calling that God has called you to this morning, then you haven't achieved faithfulness yet. Because there is an expectation there from God to you that isn't being fulfilled. And when expectations are not 100% fulfilled, you can't call it faithful. Now, I realize that may be a little, make a little tenderness this morning, but it is true. To be faithful, you must operate in what God has called you to do. We need to understand that faithfulness does not imply 100% guarantee of life happiness. Let's say it this way. I don't serve God to be happy. If you're serving God this morning for happiness, then your focus is on the wrong thing. Not that happiness will never occur, but happiness is not my motive. My motive is, number one, I want to be saved. And if being saved means that I have to abase myself, if being saved means I have to reject myself and my joys and my enjoyment and those things that my flesh likes, then that is a sacrifice that must be paid in order for me to achieve faithfulness in the eyes of God. You're not always going to be happy with life. Where are you going with this, preacher? Here's where I'm going with this. 
It is a mistake for us as children of God to serve God, to worship God, to love God, and to publicly demonstrate everything He is to us only when things are good. Amen. Too often, people, we will serve God when He's answering our prayers in the affirmative. Let me tell you something. God will always answer your prayer. And I believe, Bishop, rarely is He as silent as we think He is. It's just when we don't get the answer we desire, we think He's not talking. <laughs> I didn't hear you, Lord. Oh, no, He talked. He said... But it went against flesh. And it didn't feel good. And it certainly wasn't joyful. And it didn't cause me happiness. Because it wasn't what I wanted to hear. But God will always answer your prayer. He will not always give you what you want. We're not serving God this morning to make us happy. We're not serving God. I can have joy this morning in just simply knowing I'm saved. We ought to be able to come to church. And I know some of you have this morning. But we ought to be able to come to church when we're walking through the pits of despair and still worship God. I realize everybody has valley experiences. But if you stay home every time you have a valley experience, you are walking away from the very thing that you need. He is a faithful God. He is a refuge God. He is a protecting God. But only to those who are faithful. That's the key that we must take. That's, that's the takeaway from this chapter. That we need to take away. Yes, God is a refuge. Yes, God is my power and my strength. But He is so to those who are faithful to Him. Some things in life just aren't easy. Oftentimes we make them worse by putting our own carnal direction into our situation. You realize this morning the half saved is not saved? Let me break it down for you. If, if, if you were to fall into deep waters without the ability to swim, and someone were to cast a lifeline toward you that is deflated, and therefore lost its ability to keep you afloat. You have received a lifeline of protection that cannot protect you. In the end, you would drown. And even though the lifeline is considered to be a lifesaver, it would do you no good operating at half of its intended use. Half saved is completely lost. One foot in is still completely lost. I know there are progressions, but there are progressions that are biblical. We operate many times on progressions that are carnal. Let me come to church and get used to it. Let me come to church and just do this. Let me come to church. That's not the progressions that are biblical. Progressions that are biblical are repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the Holy Ghost. And you'll find a, a chapter or two after that great Pentecost that occurred 
that they were then turning around and laying hands on the sick, laying hands on the lost, that they might be saved. The progressions that God has established for your life is that you follow salvation and then you repeat. Sitting is not an option. Amen. Attending church. I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, off this morning, but just simply attending church is not an option in the Bible. Come on, apostolics. Just attending. See, we live in a society where that it's okay to attend church. As a matter of fact, most people, most, not all, but most, will look better at you if you at least attend church. Where you cross the line is between attending church and being the church. And there's a big difference. It's okay to come to church, dress up in your tie or, or, or whatever it is that you choose to wear and, and, and come to church and sit and listen and even enjoy. And that's great, and I certainly am not trying to run anybody off this morning. We want you here. I'm just trying to give you a little spiritual nudge this morning to understand that God's life, it has more for you than just simply socializing at church. To truly be under the refuge means I'm operating in the lifestyle that God has given me. Now, Everybody say amen. amen. Let's, let, let me say it this way. I've been preaching, Lord have mercy, for about 20 years. I've been out of high school 20 years. What is with two decades right now? It's just crazy. I'm getting old, Grandma. After, if after 20 years... And the majority of all that being spent in this church. If after 20 years, those of you that have been around for that length of time or close to it especially, if after 20 years, I up and decided, <laughs> forget it. I'm not preaching anymore. Not worth it. And I handed my card out of my wallet, gave it to Bishop and said, here, I'm just going to play the keyboard. That would be the same in symbolism as you saying, I'm just going to take my seat. Okay? What would you think of me? I know what you would think. I feel confident this morning that I can interpret what you would think. Well, you can't do that. You're called of God. You can't just not do that. Well, let me hold a mirror up this morning and a reflection back to you. What gives you the right to do that? There is no distinction on calling in the Bible that says calling equals preacher. But the Bible does say the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 
And you cannot, you'll, you'll have the plagues added to your life. You cannot read that and say and add to it and say that's just for bishop and pastor and brother Mason. Because the Bible is just as plainly clear for you as it is for me. And before I ever accepted a call of God to preach, I had to first get my pew activity right. I had to first be a Christian with good standing and faithfulness to God. I don't have much, much for these people that just get saved and all of a sudden they're preachers. God didn't save me to be a preacher. He saved me to save me. Preaching was a calling. It was not a part of my salvation. Two separate things. And you can have a call. If you're worried about God calling you to preach this morning, let me put your mind at ease. There are plenty of things that God can call you to do other than just pulpit ministry. And the reason I say that this morning is because I am convinced, and if I'm wrong, God will show me, but I am convinced today that there's a lot of people that will not follow their calling for God because they're afraid of what it is. Well, if we reflect back on the idea that I am not truly being faithful to God if I'm not following my calling, then if I maintain through life in just a mundane, mediocre stance because I'm afraid of what He's going to call me to do, in the end, I'm not as close to saved as I thought I was. So I ask you this morning, is that really a risk worth taking? I think no. Callings? Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you this morning. You can be called of God to be a parking lot director. God knows your personality. This isn't in my notes. I don't know how we got this direction, but I'm just going to follow whatever the Lord's doing. But you, God knows your personality. If you don't like to talk to people, if you don't, if you don't like to be in front of people and you get nervous, and, and that's fine. God knows that. God is a gentleman. He's not going to embarrass you. You might embarrass yourself. But He's not going to have anything to do with it. God, there are callings, man, I tell you. All kinds of them. Well, how can you be called to be a parking lot? Let me tell you, not just anybody can direct traffic. <laughs> Let me say this. Not just anybody can direct traffic and keep, the, keep their salvation. I've seen it done the right way and I've seen it done the wrong way. And the wrong way made, made me want to get out of the car and behind the wheel. So, yeah, I think that can be a calling. Landscaping, yard mowing, window cleaning, teaching Bible studies, preparing meals. Man, the, the list goes on and on and on. We need not be afraid of what the calling of God is in our life. We just need to do it. And if you don't know what it is, that's fine. Keep worshiping God. Keep being faithful to God. And somewhere, God will reveal to you His will. So just because some things in life aren't easy, that doesn't make it wrong. I've heard some people who practice the theory that if, if it's not easy and, and, and we're being fought, then we must not do it. 
I think sometimes the things that are worth fighting the most for are the things that need to be done. God never promised it would be easy. I really, really want our new folks that's been here less than a year to really, really understand that this morning. He never promised it was going to be easy. But hard does not mean bad. There are difficulties. There are things that I fight with. There are difficulties. There, there are certain things that, that you will be challenged on the rest of your life. They just change. But Freddie, I'm not challenged on the same things today that I was 20 years ago. I've got victory over those challenges. I want to give somebody hope this morning. I've got victory over those challenges a long time ago. But they were replaced with other challenges. Because when you're serving God in a spiritual sense, you just put in a good old target bullseye on your back. And you said, hey devil, I'm a Christian. And not only that, I'm blood bought. And now, he's got his darts out. That's why we need to put on the whole armor of God. Lord, I've got a detour here. I've got to go back. If you will wear the armor of God every day as instructed in the New Testament Scripture, then the fiery darts that come at your target bullseye won't affect you. In Bible days, they used to take some type of liquid and they would polish their shields so that when the darts would hit it, it would just... Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is likened unto oil in the Word of God. If we will oil up, I'm not talking about suntan lotion, our spirits, and allow the darts of the enemy to deflect off of us. There are certain things, I believe, Sister Angie Craig, that there are certain devils that we fight that we'll never even know we were fighting them because the dart never got to us. The, the trouble never got, oh, hallelujah. The, the, the things that the devil meant to impact you, you never became wiser over because it never pierced your shield. Amen. We need the armor of God. But I will tell you this morning that if you are in a stance in life where that you are not faithful to God, you won't wear the armor. You can't wear the armor and be unfaithful. Amen. Let me move on. There are certain sacrifices that are worth it. I, 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 I imagine Joshua instructing the children of Israel to walk around the walls of Jericho. You know, we, we talk about that and we glaze over it pretty quickly. That six days they were quiet and on the seventh day they rejoiced. But stop and think about that for just a second. We've got... I haven't taken head count this morning. But we've got probably 50 people, roughly. If, if I'm just guessing, maybe it's more than that. I don't know. But we've got a, a sizable group here this morning that given the right circumstances, it would be very difficult to keep you quiet. Just being serious. Just, just check it out before church and after church. This is a noisy place. It's good fellowship. Now, can you imagine millions 
of people. And telling them all, shut up and don't say a word for six days. There had to be some folk that was about to explode. I can't imagine keeping some people in this place quiet six hours, much less six days. Bishop, you think you could handle six days? My goodness. So, we could agree this morning that having the children of Israel go six days. Now, I don't know if they did sign language or if they held up billboards that said, keep your mouth shut. I don't know how they got the message around, but having them in total silence, following the instructions of God for six days, that's quite a sacrifice. Now, it'd be a miracle, that's right. But can you imagine them thinking in their mind, because they can't say it out loud? Whew, man, this is hard. This is hard. I don't know if I can do it or not. I don't know if I can make it. I think I'm going to fail. Some of the exact same things that some of you say from Sunday to Sunday. This is hard. I don't know if I can do it or not. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I can make it. There are sacrifices that you may not see the results and fruit of in this life. But I guarantee you there are sacrifices to be made that when you see heaven and you see him face to face, that all of a sudden it's every bit worth it. I have no trouble making that sacrifice if it means I get to see Jesus. So the hard work and the sacrifice to get to the seventh day, man, no wonder the seventh day brought the walls down. It was probably all the audio waves from the talking. It shattered the concrete and shattered the mortar. But the sacrifice was worth it. Life is often what we make it. Our response to life is often what we make it. Whether it be positive or negative, it determines our course of action. So I want you to consider this morning, what would your life be like if you removed all of your drama? I realize some of you sitting there saying, well, I don't have any drama in my life. <laughs> yeah. Right. We need to take up an offering then. <laughs> we'll get that later. What if you removed your jealousy? Because we live in a society today where that most people are afraid they're going to miss out on something. And they're afraid somebody's going to get something that they think they deserve. That's the society we live in. What if you removed all of your pride? Now, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that self-respecting pride that causes you to make sure you're dressed right when you leave the house. Or that you brush your teeth before you go out the front door. I'm not talking about that self-respecting pride. I'm talking about the haughtiness. The pride that says you're too good for something. The simple fact that life isn't always easy often involves hardship. Psalm 91 is a reminder to us that He is faithful. Faithful. 
We've went through the first 12 verses in, in already in, in previous months and weeks. And now at verse number 13, the writer says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. To tread is to walk. And that word upon there in this context means above, over, or against. In a downward position. The meaning here, whenever he says thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, is that you shall rule over or have authority over the lion and the adder. Now, it's important to understand this morning that languages translate, outside of the English language, languages translate in two different ways. They translate in a figurative translation, which is the intended meaning, and they translate in a literal translation. Now, most of you that know me know that I have a, a passion for the Japanese language, and there's certain, there's, it is full of the differences between literal and figurative translation. I could ask you the question this morning, how are you? And in order to ask you the question, I am literally saying, healthy are you? If you want a literal translation, and in order to say, hey, I'm doing fine, the literal translation is, healthy I am. Because their verb comes at the end of the sentence. Completely opposite of the English language. So there is a difference between the implied meaning and the literal meaning. Much like it is here in this verse of Scripture, it is the difference between thinking that you're going to literally walk on a lion and an adder or understand exactly what he's trying to say. Brother Tyler, if you'll put that verse of Scripture up there for a little while. Psalm 91 and 13 is not telling us that God is going to empower us so much that we'll literally walk on top of a lion. It's not telling us to go on a snake walk. Y'all think that's funny here, but if you go south just a little bit, you get accused of being a snake handler. Because you go south just a little bit from here, about two hours, there's a group of people that equates tongue talking to snake handling. We do not, according to Matthew 4, 7, tempt God. You want to know if we handle how, how well we handle snakes? Just watch me whenever I'm around one. I'm going to find me something sharp. And I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice <laughs> after the battle's over. I, I hope I didn't offend anybody right there, but he's not going to live long. And his tail's going to shake till sundown. That's all right. Because <laughs> he's not going to hurt me. I might scream like a girl in the process. But to handle danger as a means to test or tempt God's ability and willingness to protect us is simple ignorance. We do not support that. We don't drink poison and test our faith. But we do believe that if you should drink poison, unknowingly that he is able I do believe 
that if I were to walk into a lion's den by mistake, I guarantee it'd be by mistake. But if it were to happen by whatever happenstance, I do believe that I serve the same God as Daniel. And I do believe that it really happened in the Old Testament the way it says. It's not just a Sunday school story. It's not just a bedtime story for four-year-olds. I do believe that the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. I do believe that if I were to mistakenly walk upon an adder, that God is able to protect me. When I was growing up, a buddy of mine and I were out in the woods. We lived out in the country. We were walking around. We was, we was in an area that we really probably had no business being in. And uh, that part of western Kentucky is, uh, is known for having mountain lions, although the quantity is unknown. But uh, we had heard them before uh, do their little... Row. Of course, it sounded a lot more manly than that whenever they do it. But we had heard them but hadn't seen them. Uh, some, some neighbors had seen them. My buddy and I were out in the woods just, just walking around, just being silly, as boys do. And we walked upon an area, Bishop, and it, I, I wish I'd had a camera with me because it was the neatest thing I've ever seen. We walked upon an area that you could see the pattern of their bodies as it lay in the ground where they would sleep. Uh, you could see the formation of their ears in the ground. And it was the strangest thing and we, we got awestruck by it. And we was like, man, this is cool. Yeah. And then we started looking around. I was like, what if they come back? <laughs> so we took off running. So I can declare to you today that God is able to deliver. We understand what a lion is. An adder is not just a simple snake. The adder is also known as an asp. It's indigenous to Egypt and Libya. It's a very small serpent. And its poison kills without the possibility of remedy. Those who die from it die within three to eight hours and they do so without pain. Its poison is said to be similar to certain drugs that it just drugs you and lulls you off to sleep and then you die. So to... Step on an adder, or to say that you have the right and power and authority to walk on an adder, figurative or literal, there's a strong meaning there. And the strength of the meaning is that the most dangerous, see, he's, he's, he's captured the lion, whom we refer, to, we refer to as one of the most ferocious animals that there is. And now he's captured a, a serpent that's possibly too small for you to even see that its bite you might not even know you've got because you don't suffer pain from it just three to eight hours from now you're going to be dead. Perhaps a silent but very deadly enemy. So the, the writer here is, is very figuratively describing for us that your worst enemies, I want you to hear this this morning, your worst enemies that could possibly cause you trouble and pain that you don't even have to worry about. That you shall tread, we're not speaking literal this morning, we're talking figuratively, in a spiritual sense, we are going to have dominion and authority 
over the things in life that cause you the most trouble. So God is able, and I don't think He's only able, but I believe He's willing this morning to deliver us. Poke your neighbor this morning and tell him He's able to deliver me. <clears throat> let, me let me ask you though. I, I want to I stir up our pure minds this morning. I don't want to provoke you to anger, I just want to provoke you to thought. Why should God deliver me if I've not been faithful to Him? Just simply a question. Personally speaking, I really don't like those relationships in life, whether they be with family or friends, where the person doesn't even know you exist until they need something. Not a big fan of those. They happen. <clears throat> Probably happen to everybody in here. Not a big fan of it. You're invisible when things are going good. <clears throat> but as soon as the slightest obstacle occurs, they're calling, texting, emailing, Facebooking. They know how to get in touch with you. They're doing something to get your attention, solicit your support. Your support. The implied statement here is, oh, help, I'm now in trouble. But after my troubles are over, I don't want anything to do with you. That's what's being said by actions. So, if someone said that to you, would you actually help them? You don't have to answer it publicly. I, I want you to think. The answer is probably, you probably would help them, at least for a little while. You might get tired of it after a while, depending on the tone of your relationship. But now let's look at that between us and God. Because we often, I believe, expect God to do something for us that we wouldn't even do for someone else. Help me, Lord! See you later, God. Be back next trouble. Lord, I know it's been a while since we've talked, but I'm here again. I've, I've got a problem. Problem solved. Mercy of God is great and rich. You walk away. Life is good. We don't know who He is. Why would we expect Him to do that? Is it because He's a God of love? Is it because He's a God of mercy? Perhaps we know that He is. We know He's a God of love. We know He's a God of mercy. But He's certainly not one to be taken advantage of. Other adjectives that explain our God, this God of mercy and love in the Bible, are that He is a terrible God, that He is a jealous God, that He is a God of wrath and anger, that He's a God that doesn't share, he doesn't play in the sandbox well with others. He doesn't share. He wants you. He don't want to share you. And we know by certain illustrations in New Testament Gospels that He will allow you to walk away 
He will allow you to walk away lost before he compromises himself. I want him on my side. But to have him on my side means I must first choose him. Despite my status, despite my circumstances, despite the inconveniences, because yes, serving God can be inconvenient. But not living for God can be inconvenient. So who is on the Lord's side among you? I want to be on His side. But to be on His side means I must first be faithful. And faithful means more. I, I, I believe we, we err in, in assuming that faithfulness just means coming to church. Faithfulness means a lifestyle of you being who you are wherever you're at. Church is just a building. It's a gathering place. It is ordained by God because He wanted a house. But never with the intentions that when we depart from that house that we be a different person. Psalm 91 is about refuge. It is about protection. It is about strength. It is about the things that God can do, but He does it to those who are faithful. There, there's a causal statement there in verse number 14 that says, Because, everybody shout, because He hath set His love upon me, therefore will I deliver Him. This is God speaking about His servant. Because is the causal statement that says because a certain thing has happened, I'm going to do this. The thing that has to happen before He will set His love upon me and that we can be delivered is that we are first faithful. Because you are faithful... God has set His love upon you and therefore He will deliver you. I will set Him on high because He hath known my name. Everything that happens in verse 13 for the faithful believer is because the believer has put his or her love upon the Lord. Therefore, God will deliver. Ladies and gentlemen, don't underestimate the power of living for God. Living for God has to be. It has to be about, about more than just getting prayers answered. Because there's times that you're not, you're not going to get them answered the way you want to. So if, if, you're, if you base your living for God simply upon getting your way, then you're either going to be constantly disappointed or you're just going to quit. Living for God has to be about more than just emotion. We've got a lot of emotion living for God, especially in the apostolic church. And I'm not, I'm not frowning upon that. I just want to identify it. We have a lot of emotion because we are a spirit-filled church. And we do get into the presence of God. And that does not come without emotion. 
But we need to know how to still serve God when there's no emotion left. <clears throat> if this morning were just quiet and mundane, methodical, and if it was an off day where that you really didn't feel like doing your little shake, Sister Sharon, how you going to feel? We need not get bored and tap into the internet on our cell phone. If there's anything I think the apostolic church struggles with, it's quiet. Makes us uncomfortable. Because we think quiet is the opposite of God. He does know how to speak in the whisper. And I'm not saying it should always be quiet. What I'm saying is, is it's not, not always going to be a leap and a jump. So don't base your salvation just on emotion. Spirit does not come without emotion, but emotion can come without spirit. So just because somebody's dancing and worshiping, they might feel spirit. That doesn't mean you do. But if your heart and your motive is on worshiping God, it doesn't matter, should not matter, if you're running, leaping, or crying, Amen. laughing, as some of you do. The method doesn't matter. The recipient matters. That's what matters the most. So don't underestimate the power of living for God. Make sure that your reasons for living for Him are about Him. My reasons for living for God have, are not about me. They're about Him. He is the reason. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to close. Psalm 91. I want to close with the first two verses of this chapter. Read it again. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Everybody say refuge. And my fortress. Say fortress. My God. In Him will I trust. What you need to base your relationship on with God is trust. If you will trust Him, you'll move into your calling. Because you won't believe that He'll do anything to you that you don't want. There's a lot of trust in serving God. We have to first trust Him. To believe in something you trusted. To believe that I'm saved, I must trust that He's going to save me. Why don't you just lift your hands this morning as Bishop comes to close the service and just begin to love the Lord. The Word of God is so rich in our lives today. Let's just call upon Him together and love Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.